0: Welcome to the Disability Anne podcast, bringing together thoughtful discussion and debate. This month, Disability Arts Online founding editor, Colin Hanbrook, chats with writer, actor, poet and comedian, Jasmine Tien. As a disabled migrant to the UK of Chinese heritage, Jasmine reflects on her intersectional experience of the performing arts. She also tells us about her recent debut as an actor with Extant Theatre's Superpower Panto.
1: Welcome everyone to this month's Disability and Podcast. Um, We're very happy to have Jasmine Tien, with us uh, today. Jasmine is a freelance actor, writer, poet and a stand-up comedian who is involved in a whirlwind of projects in theatre and um, we're going to talk a bit about Jasmine's coming to England and about her trajectory as as an artist. So welcome Jasmine. Um, By way of introducing yourself, can you tell us something about your experiences as as an intersectional artist coming coming to England.
2: Colin, thank you so much for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, so by way of introducing myself, I am a disabled woman of color. Um, I am of Chinese heritage. I was born and raised in Brunei in Southeast Asia. It's a tiny country sharing borders with Malaysia and Indonesia. Um, I'm completely blind and I also have a myriad of other disabilities um, as a lot of us do I think disabilities often cluster together. Uh, What I find is that intersectionality just does not get addressed enough um, in the arts which is what drew me to the arts in the first place I think. So by way of an example, I'm currently working on a piece of spoken word poetry that looks at the lack of sexualization, um, weirdly, of disabled women. So disabled women occupy a really weird space where we are not seen as sexual beings. Um, people find it difficult to conceive of the idea of a disabled woman having any kind of sex life or romantic life. But at the same time, we are very vulnerable to sexual assault. statistics show that um, disabled people are three times more likely to be targets of sexual assault. Um, And it's this weird dichotomy um, that we occupy that obviously, women listening to me right now will go well you know I uh, as women we are very vulnerable to sexual assault as well and I absolutely agree and that is awful and we do need to move towards changing that but I think especially in a post me too movement disabled women are often left out of the conversation um about body autonomy and our right to consent so it's just looking at areas like that those are the topics I'm particularly passionate about looking at how we peel away at the layers of what it means to be um living an intersectional experience and that's just you know one of the examples
1: Mm, mm. and uh, what is it that appeals to you um about theatre as a medium for for exploring those those issues and and for, um, you know, addressing social justice.
2: Yeah, weirdly enough, theatre was never a medium that actually appealed to me that much um, because I never had access or, or opportunities to theatre. So I grew up in Brunei, theatre is absolutely non-existent. It's just not a thing. You don't go to the theatre at all. There just isn't any. So I discovered theatre at the age of 21. So I was fairly late to the game, really, um, when I came to the UK for my higher education. I went to Cambridge University and that was where I discovered theatre for the first time. And I just fell madly in love with it. Because what I find with theatre is that it is such a powerful medium for influencing cultural, social and political change, as well as being influenced by it. You know, I I find that as actors, as theatre makers, as creators, we have the power to make audience care about narratives that they usually might not care about. If they see it on the news, if they read about it, if they've heard about it from their friends, they might not necessarily care about them. But when they see it portrayed on stage, because they connect with the characters and the stories, that is how we can start planting the seed for people to think differently, to see differently, to go, oh, that person might live a life that's completely different from mine, but I sympathize with them, I I relate to them, I empathize with them, I see the humanity in them. And that is where I think we can start shifting the social attitudes especially around minorities and for me I I tick almost every minority box um so it's something I'm very passionate about.
1: You moved on to to be involved with the Performance Academy with the the New Earth Theatre for Southeast Asian and East Asian artists how how was that and how how did that then lead on to um getting involved with the Extant Theatre?
2: Yeah, so with New Earth Theatre, it was an amazing experience, but at the same time, it was a bit of an accident. Um, I got sent a WhatsApp message from a really good friend who is also a director um, and a theatre maker, and she she was just, you have to apply for this. And the Performers Academy is this programme that New Earth Theatre runs every year, um and it's for emerging artists like myself who are really keen to get into theatre but have no idea where to start um and that was what I did really I applied for it I got in um went up to Manchester to do a week of training with an incredible um director and theatre maker um Jude Christian and From there, I met Kumiko, who runs newer theatre, and it just sort of snowballed from there, really. Kumiko has a very close relationship with Maria, um, who runs Extant, and Kumiko just connected us. And that was how Maria and I met, Um, although we didn't formally met in person until I started with Superpower Panto.
1: Yeah yeah super power panther it was a, it was a great show and i believe that was Thank your, you. your first sort of made main, main touring part um it was uh, 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 it was great great um to see um you know Extant working in uh, children's theater that was uh, a, 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 it was a new new outlet for them as well i believe
2: yeah that's what i've been told that they've never done children's theater before Um, but Superpower Panto is actually a project that was six years in the making. Um, They partnered with a children's panto company called Simply Smiley, and this was earlier this year in March that we toured all around the country. We did nine cities, all the way from London to Birmingham to Newcastle to Hereford, Uh, I think it was 20 shows in 28 days that we did um, across schools, community centres, theatre venues, and it was just an amazing experience. And yeah, that was actually my my professional debut. Um, It wasn't just my first job in touring, it was my first job as a professional actor being paid, period.
1: Wow! Wow! Um, a, a very steep learning curve. I, I, I can imagine.
2: It was great fun.
1: How did you find it being being on tour and, you know, uh, the stresses of kind of moving through different parts of the country?
2: I absolutely love travelling. Um, so I found it incredible to just be able to visit all these amazing cities. Hereford was probably my favourite. I thought it was absolutely stunning. Um, I wish that there was more time that we could have spent just exploring the cities, but obviously we were still working. Um, It was just, you know, in the odd hours that we could just go out and see the city. Um, I find it absolutely exhausting. I know that that's probably something that happens on tour every single time. And I think that I did not realize just how much you would take out of me. um because i I thought going in, oh, we're you know, we're doing about a show a day. like very rarely would we do more than one show a day. I can totally do this. It's gonna be fine. And then I got to about day twenty three, I think it was day twenty three of twenty eight. and I just got so ill. I was oh I was just dead (laughs) and I mean everyone got ill but I think that I was just completely gone when we did our last couple shows in Brighton I was I was just I was just dosing myself with lozenges backstage um I
1: I, I have to say because I I was I was there and I, I I saw the show um, at the Comedia, and uh, I, I thought you did it incredibly well.
2: Thank you.
1: It 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 really didn't show that she, that you were that you that you were that ill, or I I I guess you know being the support of the rest of the cast because they were all they were all
2: amazing. Yes, absolutely, and I think what really helped as well is that all of them were very seasoned actors. They had worked in panto quite a few of them for years and years and years and they've toured before as well and so I think just even just being told that yeah this happens all the time when you start it's all right you're not you know you're not the only one I think even just that helped quite a lot because I became just so guilty.
1: And you've uh, you, you you've, you've moved on with Extant I- to become one of their associate artists and um I'm really, really intrigued to 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 hear about uh, your one woman show, "I Dream in Color." I, I I um, I believe that you're, you're kind of that 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 project has has moved along uh, quite a lot over the last six months or so.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, "I Dream in Color" is, as you mentioned, a one woman show. It's autobiographical, and it is about. My and my family's journey with my blindness. Um, I was born with a condition called retinoblastoma, which is a very rare form of childhood eye cancer. And growing up in a Chinese immigrant culture in Southeast Asia, where unfortunately disability is often seen as a fate worse than death. Really, it's seen as the worst possible thing that could happen to a family. Um, was very traumatic um in many ways um and to this day I'm still you know we spoke about this a little bit at the top of the show um that we both struggle with com- complex cptsd C- um and you know growing up as I did it still scars me to this day and still something that I'm working through and I think it's going to be a lifetime of working through it really um but the show basically follows my family's story fighting cancer and frankly being in denial of it for many many years until I finally lost all of my sight at about age eight Um, and then everything just came crashing down and the family just had to accept that this was happening but at the same time it was it was very very hard for them so it is it's very personal to me But I also in the show look into my family's at the moment still unknown history. I mean, my great grandparents fled China in the early 1900s and none of us has any idea why um, they wouldn't talk about it. And as part of the show, I, I examine sort of psychologically and philosophically this idea of the immigrant who is building a life for themselves in a new country and survival is the word of the day every day basically and if you're an immigrant um you want your children to have the best possible chance at surviving wherever they are because you don't know when if at any point you might have to get up and flee again that's always at the back of your mind and it's so baked into our psyche and when i first developed the show I, I i looked into as an immigrant why you would not want your child to be disabled why that would be your worst nightmare because that child is frankly probably not going to have the best chance of surviving if you do ne- if you do need to flee so yeah it's it's a it's very emotional um show but I tried to make it funny I tried to make it lighthearted I tried to make it relatable um this idea that sometimes the people who can hurt you the most are also the people who love you the most it's been wonderful creating the show with extant. Um, we did a work in progress performance of it at uh, Camden People's theater in march as part of the sprint festival and we are bringing it to the bloomsbury festival this october um at the john lyons theater i believe on sunday the 15th of october so mark your calendars people um and that is going to be a full-length one-hour show and i'm just so so excited um for it to hit the stage
1: wow wow that's 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 quite a story jasmine um It it, it makes me wonder what what survival means to you now in the the context that you've found for your life and career in England.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, really, because I am actually the only member of my family um, who chose to migrate to the UK. So my my siblings came to the UK for their higher education, but they chose to go back. And I was the only one who chose to come here and stay. So. I think for me, what I learned reflecting on my family's history is that what is so fundamental about being Chinese and of our specific diaspora is that we're never afraid to start again. Um, We're never afraid for everything to come crashing down and for us to need to build a life for ourselves again, to define ourselves completely anew. and that's what I think survival is for me, really, is that coming here was a chance to create the version of me that I would like. And this is not saying that I don't carry a lot of emotional baggage. I absolutely do. We all do. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, I suffer from complex PTSD and it is quite Severe, and I do carry a lot of trauma, and that is one of the things that I actually. It came as a big shock to me when I first came to the UK, really, because when I first arrived, I thought, "Hooray, 180 flip, we can just start anew," and then, and then it'll come crashing down eventually. And I thought, "Oh man, wow, I still have to deal with this package It doesn't, it doesn't leave me." um But I think what is so powerful about being of my heritage is that starting again is never something that we're afraid of doing
1: Mm. yeah yeah i i i can i can relate to that from my own uh issues with complex ptsd that's Mm. it's it's something that 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 never completely goes away you have you you know you sort of continually find yourself kind of um struggling to find new ways to 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 cope and to 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 deal with the issues that it it, it's absolutely
2: um, lots and lots of therapy yes Um, i found that some uh, a therapy approach called internal family systems for me has been instrumental in in helping me improve as well so it's finding the right therapy approach for you because everyone is very different
1: and I'm 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 in, intrigued that you've you found your way into stand-up comedy, and I'm wondering if because you know the, I think the things that happen to us um, uh, to that that kind of engender P, uh, complex PTSD. I mean, that they're, they're so ridiculously powerfully traumatic that uh, I, I can imagine that you know. Um, I know. I, I, for myself, I you know I uh, I use humor a lot as a way, as as a coping mechanism. So I'm I'm wondering if that's that's the same for you and and if those issues have found their way into your stand up comedy.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have always loved making people laugh. I think, as you say, it, it is a coping mechanism, and in a weird way it's become a way to shield ourselves um, from the world. If we can make people laugh, then people might not probe too deeply into into the pain and into the hurt that we carry. So I love doing stand-up comedy. Um, I've done actually really well at it. Um, So earlier this year, I entered this competition called the Max Turner Prize. And I think it was about 250 comedians um, in their early career career stages and I got to the final 15 um which I was super chuffed about um because I literally just started stand-up comedy last November um so I'm very very new and in my stand-up comedy I absolutely address a lot of the issues that we've been talking about today um I talk about what it's like to be blind to be a woman to be a person of color to be all three you know one of my one of my big things about stand-up is that you have to you have to laugh through the pain otherwise you would cry and I try my best in my stand-up to make things as nuanced as possible and I do like a bit of lowbrow light comedy from time to time but I think my big thing is making sure that I make people think as well as laugh so one of my favorite things that um I use in my stand-up um is talking about, and I'm sure that um, a lot of disabled people can identify with this, is religious people uh, insisting on praying for us. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's one of the most exasperating things that happen to disabled people on a daily basis. Um, yeah. Because yeah. you know that it's coming from a good place. But the thing that I address in my stand-up all the time is just, I mean, how little faith do these people have in their God? I mean, I don't care, you know, what religious denomination you're in. You you know, as part of religion is generally believed that God uh, made everybody. And so by that logic, surely you believe that God made me blind. Um, so why are you asking God to reverse his choices (laughs) (laughs) yes why why are you asking god to fix his i guess in your mind mistakes i mean that is that is terribly insulting to god um yeah, so that's one of yeah, the yeah, one of yeah. my favorite things that I go back to time and time again in my stand-up. Um, And I get people coming to me afterwards all the time going, you know what, I've never thought of that. And that's what I want. That's the response I want um, from my stand-up is that I make people laugh, but I also want to make people think. I want to make people go, oh, yeah. Why is that absurdity something we accept in life?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i i i um, and when when these uh when when you get these experiences on the street did do you you get into conversation with with these these people that are trying to um
2: no um, no mate i have i have cptsd i'm way too scared of conflict for that i'm happy to do it behind my microphone on stage and i'm not going to be ambushed i'm not (laughs) i don't do that when i'm on the street um no i just tend to i just tend to be very polite and go no no i'm fine thank you yeah i'm I'm all right thanks i you know i've been blind for 20 years i'm pretty happy with it at this point (laughs) (laughs) but it's just it's so bizarre when it happens because i had this one experience i was in new orleans in america uh, years ago and i got ambushed by this group of I think it was at least 10 evangelical Christians Um, and they were trying to pray my blindness away and they kept telling me to open my eyes and asking me whether I could see them. And I'm just like, no, no, I'm not going to lie guys. I'm sorry. I just, I can't see you. (laughs) And they kept asking me to close my eyes again so that they could pray again. I was just there. I was just there thinking, how long are we going to be here? I mean, I've got places to go, things to do. I still need to get my dinner. (laughs) <laughs> oh God. I think it lasted for like a good 15, 20 minutes before I just I just went sod it. I need I need to leave. I can't be polite to these people anymore. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. There comes a there comes a point um where politeness runs out.
2: Mm. Uh, it's very British though, isn't it?
1: it it, it, it is yeah it is speaking as
2: someone who's not british but is so steeped in british culture now you know i'm just like yeah i get it we're just way too polite
1: yeah i i ask myself almost every day why can't we be more french
2: (laughs) (laughs) i love that i love that no offense to the french obviously
1: no 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 i i i mean that as a compliment Uh, Mm. you
0: know
1: um the the French don't stand for all the things that we that, that we put up with because of our politeness. Um, but
2: we're also very snide about it, I think.
1: Um yes, yes, yeah. yes, there is that as well. There's a certain kind of arrogance that mm. is within within the culture. Yeah. But we digress. I, I was also wanting to kind of go into your um uh, your career as a poet and um hmm. uh and I, I i can imagine that a lot of this these issues and uh, kind of finds its way into um your performance poetry as well and you 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 also i understand um uh are uh have a residency with um apples and snakes yes i do it's poetry organization how is that How's that go- going along?
2: Oh, it's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was such a it was such a surprise when I applied for it and and I got accepted. So I worked with Apples and Snakes on two major projects. One was their Spine Festival, which is this month-long festival that they run in London. Um, and they bring in artists of various mediums to go into libraries and run workshops with school-age children. So I I was in as a spoken word poet and I worked with this absolutely fantastic movement director who is now a very good friend of mine. Um, And we just delivered workshops to school children on the theme of kindness, which was super sweet um i'm so pertinent right now i think um and the other project that i've been working on with apples and snakes is their diversified in children's literature program which they brought in 10 artists Um, from minority backgrounds. So everything from disabled artists to artists of colour to queer artists. And together we created an anthology of children's poetry. Um, It was led by the current children's laureate, um, Joseph Coiler, who is just Oh, what a man. What an absolute inspiration. Um, I love his work so much. And he's just an absolutely amazing um, person to be around as well. And that is being published by Barry Books next spring. So I'm going to be a published author. Hooray! I can't wait for that to happen. Um, It's just been such an honour and a privilege for that. And as you say, you know, these issues that that we talked about, um, absolutely going to my poetry as well, and it's been very fascinating writing for children um, because we often think about children as being, you know, innocent, and we need to protect them from all the terrible things um, in the world. But I do think that children actually deserve more credit than we give them. They actually understand way more than we think. And it is important to expose children, obviously in a controlled um, manner, about the injustices of the world. Uh, my my background is in education, actually. That was what I did as, as my degree at Cambridge. Um, and I one of the poems that I write um, in the anthology is actually about how, as a small child, I was brought up on stage by my school principal in front of the entire school during an assembly and I was presented as an example of a handicapped kid, which is terrible. Um, But as as a child, I didn't know what handicapped was. So, you know, that my poem um, that will appear in the anthology sort of addresses the child just being confused about what handicapped means. And I think, I'm hoping that, you know, a parent reading that to their child will open up conversations about you know, how language has evolved and how we don't use certain words now that we might have used 20 years ago and why that is and um, how we can work on improving because there's always room for improvement in making sure that minorities feel included and respected and yeah i'm hoping that this poem like poems like this and all the other fantastic poems um in the anthology that address everything from race to religion um and everything in between is going to open up those conversations with young children because we so need it right now and i i have a lot of hope for the next generation i mean Working with young children recently in in workshops, um, and with Superpower Panto, I mean, kids under ten are just so much more aware of injustices than I think we ever were as children. I I mean, I, I just have to tell this story, um, because it's just so good. Um, when we did Superpower Panto, we were we were at this primary school, um, in Telford in Shropshire, and there's this one scene you'll remember it, Colin, where I as the main character get bullied um for being blind and it's we were so hilarious because um you know the bully character was saying something along the lines of like um oh there's nothing special about her she can't even see and there was this sudden eruption of children screaming racism you're racist that's racist, you can't say that. And it it was it was just absolute chaos. Um, but and we were just there thinking, you know what? It is an ism. Um, they don't have the vocabulary for it yet, bless them, because they are like four. Um, but they recognize discrimination when they see it, mm-hmm. and it's so powerful and so. just fills me with so much hope for the future that these kids as young as four were able to see yeah that is an injustice and i'm not going to stand for it Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. fantastic that's a great great story
2: (laughs) i will never forget that i mean it was just deer in the headlights moment for the three actors on stage we were just absolutely frozen we were thinking well there's no going back from this
1: (laughs) wow um um congratulations on on the uh on the the book as well jasmine thank
2: you um
1: there <clears throat> there are there are so many strings to your bow that you've been kind of developing and 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 gaining success with i i i, I wonder do you have an idea of where you might be in in five years' time, it, it feels like there's so many different directions that you that you could go in at this at this time. As a performing artist, as a writer, as as a uh, comedian, um, what what kind of um, what aspirations do you have from from here?
2: Yeah, I think that I just want to be a bit of a jack of all trades and I know jack of all trades master of none but I think especially in the current um industry you know we do need to be quite eclectic um, as creators we you know we do need to create our own work um as well as make other people's work and I think for me I mean, I have ADHD, so I think if I just stuck to one thing, I would just get very bored um, at some point. So I think for me, where I see myself in five years is just continuing to develop my craft, continuing to put work out there that makes people think, that challenges assumptions about who we are um, as minority groups and exploring those key questions of why as humans do we do what we do and think the way we think i'm very very interested in the human condition um and in human psychology and i just want to be able to move people to question to think to reflect and to become be- better versions of themselves i think i'm i'm very much an idealist um i think in that i want I, I have this need to be part of social, cultural and political shifts um, and changes. Yeah. So hopefully that will happen in, in five years and I'll be a lot further on in my career than I am now. Because um, it's been a it's been a wild ride so far. I've just I've just started, like I mentioned, you know, I just got my first professional paid gig this year and i'm just absolutely astounded at how much i've been doing um in this year so i'm absolutely prepared for a dip um at some point because i've been told that it is going to come at some point and i hope that i'll be able to deal with it when it comes but i hope that when it does come i'm gonna be able to climb up again Mm -hmm. because that's just a part of the industry you you know you dip and you climb up and you dip and you climb up
1: yeah, 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 and but you have you have got other pieces on the horizon as well. Yeah, I, I know that you're um you've got some work with uh, Cryptic Arts. Yes,
2: time. yeah. So I'm currently working with Cryptic Arts on developing um, a show called We Close Our Eyes, and it's looking at intergenerational trauma. And as a Chinese woman, I know for a fact that there has been a kind of almost self-enforced silence um, among generations of Chinese women about what we have experienced in our lives and the traumas that we have experienced. I mean, China has a very tumultuous culture, um, tumultuous history, I should say. And, you know, my family fleeing China, and moving to Brunei and starting a life there. Like I say, I, I have absolutely no idea what they went through because they just wouldn't talk about it. And so I developed this show, which is, exploring the idea of why is it that we don't want our next generation um to know about what we went through is it out of love is it this hope that as long as they don't know about the pain of the past we can leave the pain in the past and they can move towards the future is it a fear of what we might lose um, if we do have the next generation know, is it is it the ultimate sacrifice? Because as humans, we are completely obsessed with our legacy. I mean, we care so much about what we will leave behind when we're not here anymore. And by taking the stories with us to the grave, is that the ultimate sacrifice? Is it uh, you know people forgetting about? My history allows them to create a better future for themselves. I don't know. It's it's questions that I explore as part of my piece.
1: It's really really interesting. I know from my own from my you know from my own lived experience, and I'm I'm in my sixties now. That mm. uh, the thing that I've constantly been told through my life is that uh, uh you know I should let it go. I should yeah l- leave the trauma of the past behind and forget about it and mm. move on and you know that those experiences live in my body they're in my DNA absolutely
2: absolutely they're
1: they're not they're not they're not things that you can just you know forget about and move on without burying them really deep because they will they will always out you know
2: absolutely yeah
1: and they 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 affect your, your 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 mind and the way that you think they affect your consciousness on a on a on a daily basis and it's it's uh that's and you know so often that's been told to me out of kindness, but mm-hmm. it's very it's very oppressive.
2: Yes, I mean you and I both have CPTSD, and we know that it absolutely affects how we interact with the world as well. So we do pass along our traumas. Subtly to other people, and in the way that we interact with them, and in in the way that we respond to the world around us. But what I'm very interested in is in trying to leave the past in the past. What do we stand to gain, and what do we stand to lose, ultimately? And I think that's a question that I'll be grappling with for many many years to come. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, Jasmine Tn, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure talking. you and we we really look forward to to seeing our dream in colour uh it's in the bloomsbury festival in yes
2: Um, october the 15th which is a sunday so so absolutely um please please come as part of a sunday family outing bring your family (laughs) um Um, yeah remind Um, us
1: which which theater it's going to be in in london it's
2: at the john lyons theater um in london
1: fantastic yeah um um, where where can people find you on social media
2: yeah so you can find me on instagram at jasmine.tn that is j-a-s-m-i-n no e dot t for tango h-i-e-n for november so that's jasmine.tian on instagram and on twitter i am jasmine underscore Tien. so nice and simple as long as you remember how to spell my name which i appreciate is not easy
1: it's been it's been fantastic uh having you on the podcast jasmine and um, thank
2: you i've really um, enjoyed it
1: i've, I've look, look forward to um to catching up with your your work and um a big thank you also to, to everyone for listening in to the podcast. And um, we look forward to, um, uh, yeah, at our next um, uh, out, outing with um, Mind the Gap Theatre. A big thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode of Disability Act. Please join us next month when Mind the Gap's assistant producer, Paul Wilshaw chats with writer and researcher Daniel Folds when they discuss what disability pride means to them and how it can help further understanding of the disability community to the wider public.